I'm Sam Mitchell. These are my stories. Hi, folks. Have a good day, team. Let me be the first to welcome you to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Now, before we begin, I must admit I am not a doctor psychiatrist. If your son or daughter needs to be diagnosed with autism, please see a physician. I only speak based on my experiences. I also do not own the music. Both musics were found on YouTube and was published on March 28th and May 2011. I also have some shouts to give. So the first shout I'd like to give is to Metalhead Nelson, a.k.a. the creator of the Fun Never Ends podcast. I want to give a shout because he and I had a great conversation on this podcast. We talked about WWE and music. So give my new friend's podcast a listen. Also, I'm still excited about this, but I, in my last episode, I interviewed Mandy Harvey and C-128, all ears for Mandy Harvey, but she is Simon Cowell's golden buzzer on AGT, and she was on my show, and I am so excited to call her my friend, give her a musical listen, and more than that, she is a good human being. Congratulations on all of your success, Mandy. I also want to give a very special shout out to my new friend, James Cox. I met James a few weeks ago, and I was a guest on my friend David Locke's podcast doing Christmas trivia. James has a podcast called When Words Fail, Music Speaks. What a cool title for a podcast. Give it a listen. My last shout is to my new friend, J.P. Atkins, or his, by his first name, Jeff. He runs the podcast called The Creative Nomad. I love talking to him and being on his show. Good luck to you, my friend. Now, today, we also have some other guests today. I'd like to welcome my karate teachers, Mr. and Mrs. Bostic. And because Mr. Bostic is a fourth-degree black belt in Taekwondo and is certified to teach Kramaga self-defense, and his lovely wife, Mrs. Bostic, is a fourth-degree black belt in Taekwondo and yellow belt self-defense Kramaga Mr. and Mrs. Bostic own and run the karate school on Liberty Drive in Bloomington, Indiana called ATA. This is a program I highly recommend parents involving in their children, especially if they have a disability or autism. I have to give credit to those for helping me not only become a first degree black belt, but also for those teaching me respect, to believe in myself, to call people sir and ma'am, and helping me understand things, but holding me accountable to figure things out for myself. I am so glad I have the opportunity to have them on my show. To show them how important they are to my family and me. Welcome, sir and ma'am, and thank you for being on my show. Thank you, sir. Well, I'm glad to be here. And just FYI, if you guys want to check out the website, go to bloomingtonmartialarts.com to see what this is about and learn more about it after the interview. So my first question to you guys is, what does running a Taekwondo school mean to you? Well, that's a big question. <laughs> so we teach martial arts primarily because what it does for people. Of course, there's a self-defense aspect, but the big thing is the courtesy, the respect, goal setting, those kind of things that are going to carry with them whatever they do in life. So that's really why we started our school was to have an impact on people of all ages, regardless of whether they're going to be the greatest kicker or puncher is fine, but really they can still learn from the art and grow in that way. That's the biggest reason. Yeah. You just want them to grow physically and mentally. What were your initial thoughts when you decided to run a Taekwondo school? We were terrified, honestly. I <laughs> yeah, mean, I, how, how do you even start a business? How, we had no idea, no experience, nothing whatsoever. But the thing is, is that we were kind of sent down a, a path. For me, it was a lifelong dream. So I've been in love with martial arts since the age of five. So I knew, I don't know, probably when I was in my teens that I was going to, there's the business side of it, which, the kicking and punching, I tell everybody, is the easy side. And I had to I had to learn all the, like, what's a profit loss statement? What's, there's things called taxes that we got to worry about, those kind of things. That was the scary part. But the kicking and punching was really the easy. So you said you were five. What got you into it? What, what at five years old made you want to run a martial arts? So I tell everybody, my, like most kids, uh, you got up, you watch cartoons. Then I would watch wrestling. And then followed was Kung Fu Theater. Uh, this is back when Channel 4, way back when it was an independent uh, TV station. And I watched a movie called Way of the Dragon with Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris. Fell in love with martial arts uh, and became, I became obsessed with martial arts, really. Um, I bought books, I magazines, anything I could get martial arts ha- my hands on. And then in sixth grade, my sixth grade teacher encouraged my mom because I have a, I have a learning disability, dyslexia. And so to help with that and to help with uh, a whole lot of other things going on in my life. He recommended another teacher he knew, Chief Master Mitten, and who taught Taekwondo. And the rest was kind of history. I mean, I, it's what I've done and what I do. So uh, does Chief Master Mitten mean a lot to you, sir? Uh, yes. <laughs> um, he's been a personal mentor, a father figure. So yes, he's been, and he, what's weird is he, he, he has one obsession in life too, and that's martial arts. 
Uh, we kind of joke, we'll both end up probably dying, kicking and punching on the mat teaching. That's where we'll be. And so, yeah, so he's been a huge influence. They were a huge influence and really helped us get our business going because his wife, uh, Mrs. Mitten, is very involved in their school and their success as well. So. Ah, gotcha. They seem really inspiring people and, and they're still moving to this day and age, right? Yes, they're, they actually still uh, teach and own uh, Mitten's Black Belt Academy in Terre Haute, Indiana. Ah, okay. I thought they were running. I remember you telling me about that. So now, how do you think Taekwondo students and teachers' brains should operate after their Taekwondo journey? Well, I would hope that they would operate the same. Maybe they're not kicking and punching as much, but they're still setting the goals. They're still using the, the character development. They're still trying to improve themselves. My hope is people's journey never really ends because of that. Does that make sense? You don't have to kick and punch yes, sir. to take it in martial arts. Yeah, you just need to like get the grow as as well from your journey. So I, I that makes a lot of sense. What is the most rewarding and difficult thing about being a Taekwondo instructor? Most rewarding is when you can see the difference that you made in a person. Some people we have for short periods of time. Some people we've had them for years. You know, I mean, I obviously you stayed with us for what was it, five years? And the impact that it made on you was wonderful to see. I mean, when you first started. You were kind of nervous. You were just um, getting into it and watching you grow and blossom. And now look at you now. This is I, amazing. I know. I, I had the giddies. I think I. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The hardest thing and easiest thing are the people, right? I mean, you, you develop the relationship and you grow with them. And we tell people we're big on family. And so everybody who comes in here are like family to us. And we know at some time they're going to move on. And that's hard. But at the same token, knowing that you made that impact is also the most rewarding part of it. Well, Mike, another thing I'm wondering is when we move on, do you still try to keep in touch with them sometimes? We do our best. Uh, it's just kind of like things in life. Uh, friends move on and they, they move. And sometimes you can keep in touch. Sometimes you can't. It, it's an area we try to do. But like everything in life, we deal with several hundred people at a time. So keeping in touch with every single one of them is I wish it was possible. It just isn't. Um, but yeah, uh, we, we do our best. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Just life, life is sometimes a pain. It truly is sometimes. What advice would you give to someone who wants to join martial arts or join your school? Uh, just do it. The <laughs> hardest thing to do is to walk in the door the first time. And whether they do, my, and I'm very passionate about this. I don't care if you come to our school, you go to another school, just do it. Try it. And we love to have people here, but we understand the way we work and that person needs to learn may not always fit. They're not always going to be one and the same. But the thing is just go out and try it. The worst thing is you fall in love with it and become obsessed like me. The best thing is you get a few how to defend yourself or you learn how to set goals and uh, that affects you everywhere in life in the future. Yeah. Or the worst thing is you slip on your pants. That's another worst thing that could happen but and I, I think would also agree with you about just doing it so what is your rank and how long did it take you both for your ranks I should say well I'm currently a four degree black belt in ATA um, hopefully this next year I'll be testing for fifth I've been involved with martial arts for 34 years and I've done everything every kind of martial arts you can imagine and so rank to me is not a big deal I, I'm more worried about the skills and what I'm developing as an individual so my journey isn't exactly the same as everyone's. Like I was with the ATA up until I was 18. Then there's a nine-year period where I'm gone from Taekwondo. And then I come back to Taekwondo in 2000 and been actively training since 2000. Mrs. Bostic is, uh, started in 2000 as well. And so she just, she just earned her 4-3 black belt um, this year, along with uh, our daughter, uh, Sabrina Bostic also earned her fourth this year. So. Uh, oh, wow. Congratulations to you two. What has Taekwondo taught you as an individual or as individuals? The biggest thing is to uh, control my emotions is the biggest thing. Um, there have been different times that uh, I got upset, but I had to talk with a cool tone. I had to deal with the situation in the moment and then possibly later on break down and cry. But the thing is, is that um, it also helped me cool my jets too in different situations and try to step back and really observe what is actually happening 
and make sure that I make the best decision in that moment. Oh yeah, martial art, there isn't an aspect of my life that martial arts hasn't affected because of understanding, respect, honor, integrity, the, the, what we call our life skills, they transcend the kicking and punching. Um, so there's really not an aspect of my life that isn't formed by martial arts. So that, I mean, that, that would be a huge thing. Um, when I was younger, one of the biggest things that really helped me with my learning disability, um, dyslexia, and teaching me how to focus, uh, I went from an okay student to I graduated 19 out of like five or 600 students in my high school, uh, taking advanced, even advanced AP level English, which was unthought, unheard of when I started martial arts. So, what is both of your teaching styles? in during class mine is not like his it's because we have different personalities okay I how does it affect it then well the students actually enjoy the uh, variety of how we teach is different um i actually kind of uh have different uh things that i kind of go here go here go here and then ultimately at the end it flows together whereas mr bostic it's a b c d and then you get to the end <laughs> so i tend to be much more structured in my approach but i do try to cater all of my classes depending on what i'm teaching or who i'm teaching and so it's all teaching is similar however your personality comes into play and the way you learn and the way the student learns and so you try to adapt to the best thing for that situation yeah i hear you it just it all depends on the situation of who you're working with and who you're trying to improve. You also have a family, as you guys mentioned. Can you uh, describe your family, actually? We have four children. We actually, the oldest right now, I think, 23. is 23. <laughs> Sorry, I get, after they go past 18, you kind of lose track a little. Um, but uh, the second oldest is 22. There's, uh, she's 18 and then 16. Yeah, and having them do martial arts with us has been wonderful. There are um, three of them are third degree black belts and then Miss Sabrina just earned her fourth degree. So how has it changed them? Well, I mean, there's a lot of things we can say. We, I purposely started them when they were little and they, they, they weren't really allowed not to stop until they're 18 because this is our life. Um, this, so this is what we do. And so for them to be active with us was important. Um, I think it, it's helped all of them greatly. Our oldest, I think it's helped her set goals. And she's currently working, going to some graduate level school uh, classes right now. And eventually wants to become a doctor. And for the next oldest, it helped her, I think, really have confidence and believe in herself more because she struggled with that a lot. And then Miss Sabrina, our third, is uh, now wanting to become an instructor, wanting to own her own school and make this her life. So she's learning to do that. And then our youngest, who's 16, it's given him a lot of confidence and an outlet. And whether he continues or not is fine. After they turn 18, they're going to find their way. The biggest reason I wanted him to be in and stay in is to, to develop what I call uh, is grit. There's a great book by Angela Duckworth called Grit. And it's learning to persevere and develop a skill in something that they can have at home, uh, which will translate as they're developing later in their life um, other skills. Yeah, I got you. That makes sense. That book seems really inspiring. What is it about exactly? Like, is it about like just matters or more to it? Uh, well, it, I, I highly recommend the book. Um, she does a much better job than I'm going to do. It's more than just perseverance and sticking through something. Sometimes you stick through stuff and you grind and you get better and better. And it doesn't have to be your passion. That's a mistake I think a lot of people make is we think, oh, we just focus on what we really love and will be really great. Well, sometimes you got to focus on things you don't love um, because it's what's required uh, to pay the bills, to, to take care of your family. And, and there's a reward in that by itself. But when you learn to do that with one or two things, it translates everything else in your life and learning to continue to grind and make yourself better. Yeah, that makes sense. You just want to improve, like I said, like more and more and more each day. As we all know, you have to. You don't just. You don't just get a black belt. You have to earn it. How is being a color belt and a black belt different or similar? Well, um, I tell everybody we use. And, and I'll be honest, I got this from Chief Masterman. He calls it the four L's. A color belt's about learning, and the best way I can translate it to is uh, for the people who know nothing about martial arts. It's kind of like going to school. 
Um, and you go from kindergarten to eighth grade and you're learning the basic skills of life is the goal. And that really, when you graduate high school, that's kind of like earning your black belt. But it's, it's black belt isn't the end. It's really just the beginning of your life. You're an adult. You've learned the basic skills. Now you have to go out into the world and deal with it. So color belt is really about learning the, the basics and the foundation. Black belt then becomes about living and finding your art or your way of living, which is why people then go on to college. How does a Taekwondo test, because I know we always have, always have to do the testing, how does that operate? Well, that's going to vary a lot between school and school and those kind of things. Um, typically, the testing is we're looking at, did you acquire the skills we were working on this grading period? It's not really any different than if you went to uh, regular school, right? You, you go to math and at the end of the, the eight week or six week grading period, you take a test and you pass and you, and you get a grade. And then you go to, you do a midterm at the end of the, in the middle of the year and you move. Okay. So another way to look at the way we do color belt testings is you, we spend like, for example, you have an orange belt and an orange belt with a stripe. And really I tell the people, it's like the same way we go to school. You're learning a set of skills. You're tested on it. Then you learn more skill. And then you, at the end of the year, you take a final and you move on to the next grade. And gotcha. It's pretty much the same. Yeah, that makes sense. So how can you tell there's, there is or isn't improvement? Well, there's certain attributes we use and we call them the black belt attributes. There's nine basic attributes that I look at. Uh, it starts with attitude. Uh, and then we're going to be looking at focus. We're going to look about, and we call it knowledge. And so I say, do a front kick and you can do a front kick. That's part of it, but then there's three parts of knowledge. It's knowing what it is, understanding and applying it. So as people understand and move up in rank, they're gaining greater proficiencies. I mean, they understand I can use a front kick here or this way or that way in this situation or not in this situation. And so you have those three attributes. Then we get into whether they're properly executing the technique. This is where we really hone the skill. And this is where martial arts are known for spending hours practicing a punch and making sure all the movements are exactly correct. And then we get into stuff like balance, speed, power, uh, rhythm, movement. And then finally, can you do it automatically? So if someone goes to grab you, can use that skill to defend yourself. Uh, and so we look at those and the more of those attributes you demonstrate, that's how we're looking that you're gaining skills. And when if they fail, you don't, I know you don't hold it against them. I, 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 you didn't hold it against me when I failed, but they just repeat it. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, yes. If you so you don't pass your test, uh, you're you're gonna have to go through and learn and refine and continually improve. Um, I never, I don't like the term fail. Um, you didn't pass or you passed. And what I mean by that is you didn't pass, you just need to do it longer. You need to learn. You need to focus more. You need to gain that skill and understanding. So yeah, I got you. That makes sense. Now, if we test, obviously we get we get to go to graduate. Yay. Um, what are the uh, emotions you'd say on Taekwondo, on a Taekwondo graduation day from either of you or both of you? Well, I mean, as an instructor, you're proud that people are moving forward. You're seeing them develop the physical skills and, and, and moving towards that and, and accomplishing goals. One of the big reasons we use belts in martial arts is so people have a goal and they have these stepping stones to reach that what we call black belt, which is where we understand all the basics are or have the skills we need to move forward in life. And so for me as an instructor, it's, it's there's a sense, always a sense of pride. And then as you see people, even as they prove physically is awesome, people's attitudes, those kind of things, those are the kind of things that I look for. And it makes it, I mean, it's just an honor and pride in that. So, yeah, I hear you. So you're talking about goals just a second ago. Can you define goals in your own words and how do you establish the importance of goals in your students? Well, I mean, we talk a lot about black belt and why we do that is we're trying to establish that as, hey, listen, this is this is the goal that we or everybody at. This is the standard. And, and people understand that even if they don't under, understand martial arts, the black belt means something. And so that idea of having a clear target of where you're going. Stephen Covey talks about start with the end in mind. And he's seven habits of highly effective people. So they got to have a point that they're focused on. So for me, goals give you that point that you focus on. But that's where that's where it starts. It's the vision. You got to go out and you got to take action and you got to earn that level. You don't just set a goal and that's magically makes you something. You got to take action after it. So yeah, you can't just be sitting on the couch and hopefully it pops up on you. 
This is a question from Ms. Bostic, actually. This is so a while back ago. I remember when you have meetings with students, I, you always close the door. And I'm not trying to be nosy or anything, but I think half the time you do it, it's with like certain life challenges, like like when someone's talking about their like autism or someone like a parent got divorced or exactly. How can martial arts like help with these certain life challenges exactly? Honestly, because it helps your mindset because as you do martial arts, and this is something I've seen through my own children as they've grown up through the martial arts is they're more mature. And obviously when you do martial arts, if you're more mature, then you deal with life situations a lot better if you're more mature. You don't let um, things get to you as easily. People are not as offended, I guess, is the, one of the things that drives me crazy lately, especially these days right now. Um, but uh, the thing is, is that they have the, they try to step back and think about the other person in the situation as well. And that's some of the things that I try to talk with people about too, because we know what we're going through, but do we ever think about what the other person's going through? Yeah, you always got to put yourself in that other's, in the other person's shoes for, I mean, not saying forever, but for a minute. So At I, least to understand the situation. How do you develop self-confidence self-esteem and self-discipline in your students? One of the ways we do that, everybody says, why do we have, we have a minimum class standard, okay? And it's to make people do something regularly. So what we're trying to do there is that's beginning to develop that discipline of, okay, it's my, it's a Monday, I got to go to class. I know this is my class day and then I'm going to go on Wednesday and I'm going to continually do this over time. And so that's one of the ways we begin to develop discipline. The, The way we structure, the bow, the the way we move, the, all that stuff is designed to develop that discipline. When you begin to learn to develop discipline and it becomes a habit in one area of your life, it tends to transcend to other areas. Um, so, okay, I, I do things a certain way. I create a structure. And the more they do that, and the better they become at that. So they get this victory because they're starting to develop. The best way to, is they're really developing habits and learning how to develop habits that make them successful versus not successful. And then if you, as you get this little victory, this little habit victory, well, hey, I did it. I feel better about myself. And so now it begins to develop that self-confidence. Not to mention, you know, as you develop these skills, I can utilize these to protect myself. And again, that makes you feel better about you. Um, I tell people, if you really want to study self-defense, go learn to be confident. Um, because if you're, if you're confident, you'll learn how to be self-assured. What we do is help people do that in an efficient manner by learning what kicking and what punching and how to defend against certain attacks. And so that helps them develop that self-confidence and that self-discipline. Um, self-control, we, we do that in a lot of ways. Like when we're sparring, sometimes we want people not to touch or to touch lightly versus just hit. Uh, I tell people you can teach a monkey to hit. Okay, So any monkey can do what we do. What makes us different as people is we learn when not to do it. And so we yeah. spend a lot of times on that. So. Yeah, we're not wild animals, basically. Or we, you're, that's what you're trying to do. So I, I get it. So with fitness, so you, I looked on your line and said a lot of people, basically America is one of the obesest country. So how can the world be more fit? Um, move. Um, the, number one is move. Number two is really, we, need, we as a society have to look at um, how we treat diet. And we sometimes use diet as this thing we go on the short term but it's really what we eat constantly. One of the things we do, um, we spend one of our, we have three areas for our kids that we talk about. Uh, Agent G, which is bullying prevention, Sergeant Safety, which is how to keep them safe so they don't get abducted or hurt. And then three, we have what we call major fitness. And major fitness is all about teaching them developing uh, a a healthy lifestyle. Um, So come kick, punch, move, that's one way. Um, but then also you need to think about when you're not here, having good self-control, choosing water over soda. Now, how do you help with those scenarios? Like, how do you like help person A here not go for a carrot instead of a piece of cake? Uh, well, you, you, one, you educate. Two, this is why the self-discipline, the constant habit of that, okay, I'm, I'm following these habits. Reaching for a piece of cake or a carrot is a choice. Well, that choice is based on what you want, Right. And if you've taught yourself that I want the carrot versus the cake, it's much easier to reach for it. And so it's developing those correct habits, which is really, it's a lifestyle. Lifestyle is just basically all of your habits added up. Yeah. 
I, that makes sense because you you just gotta like teach them to go for the carrot, not the cake. It's right. it's a process. You also have people who come in here with um, focus issues. How did you handle how do you handle students or me when I was not focusing or when other students are having a difficult time focusing? That's a good question, and I try to do it based on the individual because believe it or not, not everybody's the same. Um, so the way you approach that is going to be different. Some people you, you, we bring it back to the structure, the, the, the power move, show me attention stance, boom, which snaps them back to a very structured position. Other people you're, you're a little softer with, you talk to them and you say, hey, listen, I need you to, to focus on what we're doing right now. So there's this, these different methodologies, but it's really constantly, again, it's about developing a habit. And when they come up and they kick it back, hey, look right here, keep your eyes right here always look at the, and someone's talking to you, always look. And it's that constant reinforcement and the development of the habit that really begins to develop that focus. Uh, that's a big area we see a lot. And I can relate to that. I always have my, my favorite movie. One of my favorite movies is up and there's the Doug, the dog. And he's the one that always go, Hey, he's still, I like you squirrel. I'm one of those people. Okay. So I have to be real careful that I don't get on my squirrel moments. I, so hear you. I, I have to constantly bring myself back all the time. I hear you. And I, I'm going to just tell this with eye contact. I'm, I'm not the best with eye contact, but because of you, I, I am better at it, but I still work on it. But eye contact, it's, it's better because of you guys. So it's not let you guys know that. Okay. It's a process. It's, you're, nobody's ever perfect. We constantly work on it. Yes, yes. So Ms. I try to convince Ms. Bostic I'm perfect. She still tells me I need work. And so do I. <laughs> we all need to keep going forward. Yes, Nobody's ever perfect. No one is ever perfect. They think that then I think they need to come here and learn a lesson. <laughs> also, I feel like martial arts can help with a uh, stress because there are some life factors that can cause uh, stress. So how does it help with stress exactly? Well, the first major one would be just the physical activity, um, moving. There's a whole bunch of studies that show if you go exercise, it's going to reduce your stress levels. I think one of the big things, because you're achieving and you're, you're growing, like you're earning new belts as you move along, that sense of accomplishment, you can always fall back when it's stressful in that positive environment. Uh, we try to make environment as positive as possible so that people have a place they can come. When the world may be going nuts, I can get my uniform on, I get my belt on, and I can go there and I can have an experience that's good. That's our goal. And like we're human, we don't always make it perfect, but we, we, we try to always make it a positive experience. It's about you go to your family when you're stressed out. So we want that us to be their family that they come to. And let's face it, kicking and punching things really helps. <laughs> You're not wrong there. <laughs> we actually had a situation where we've had some people get their black belts in this whole situation that's been going on right now. And uh, the parents actually have thanked me saying that we were so glad that we were still open, even, it was, even though they weren't able to come into the building and they were doing it via Zoom at home but it was something they could look forward to and actually get out of the frustration of what's happening right now in life and be able to actually move forward somewhere else and be able to still get their black belt. Yeah. The goal, your goal was basically just to take their mind off of this whole disaster, this whole natural disaster. And we try to keep it as normal as possible. Yeah. That's what we need in this world as of right now. So I feel like also martial arts can help with, uh, with someone who doesn't have the best uh, so social skills alive. So how can you help someone with social issues, issues or someone with a lack of uh, social skills? Well, um, that's one of the things that we actually pride ourselves on, at least in our school in particular, because from one martial arts school to another, it is different. One of the things that we try to make sure that they do is they greet others when they first meet, come in. Obviously, when you learn how to greet others on a normal basis, you are more apt to making friends elsewhere. Also, we have social activities where kids can actually come in and do like a parent's night out once a quarter in a protected environment where they know they're not going to be bullied. They know they're not going to be taken advantage of. They know that their kid is safe here. And so we can actually teach them in the right way. So now what is the definition of respect in your guys' terms? Because I know you guys have like pick like pick a lot on respect at this at your school. Uh, yeah, respect is uh, so here my, my my I always tell people everybody thinks respect is this two way street. I give you respect, you give it back. If you're showing respect, it's a one 
It's how you treat others. And it's not what you know, but what you do that matters. So if you know it's what you're supposed to do, but you don't act on it, like someone hands you something, you don't say thank you. Well, that's not respectful. Now you weren't mean about it, you didn't, but you should reply in kind. So respect is how you treat others and doing the right thing, regardless of what they're going to do back. So for me, respect is, and we do that by saying, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. We answer up. We talk. We, we follow a structure and we follow what are conventionally the norms of courtesy, holding doors for other people, saying thank you and please, and looking at people when they're talking, those kind of things. How do you help? And also, how do you help someone who, I won't say like doesn't know respect, but like can improve their respectness? Well, it, it, we, we make it an expectation. It's required. If you want to earn or move forward, well, one of the first things you have to do is demonstrate that respect. It's the structure that we create. Bowing for us is like shaking hands, um, which has become a big thing now with COVID. I mean, it's kind of weird. We're so used to shaking people's hands that now that we're not really supposed to, we're supposed to be maintaining social distance. How do we show that same kind of thing? Well, in our school, we still bow. It didn't change. We look at people when they're talking. And so it, when you make it the expectation, people start doing it. And so it's just the, you're expected, this is the way you're supposed to behave. And we explain that constantly in the way we stand and the way we move and the way we talk to one another. And even when we're shaking hands, we put one hand underneath supported showing, hey, we're, I'm not going to shake your hand and hit you. It's put away. So we, it becomes a part of just who the person is. Um, what's weird is I find myself walking into the grocery store sometimes and I want to bow or do something weird. The rest of the world, we go, what is he doing? It's just part of, like I said, who I am. I'm looking down, I'm shopping for potatoes. That, you, that's what you could use. <laughs> now, I feel like the biggest misconception with Taekwondo is you come, they come here and they think, oh, I'm using this just to kick someone's bottom. What is the definition between like self-defense and peeing someone up, basically? Yeah. You know, I, I talked to a lot of martial arts because we all started because let's face it, I watched a movie and I wanted to be like Bruce, Lo Bruce, uh, Bruce, Norris, Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris trying to combine them all into one person. Well, that would be really scary. Um, but we want to, we want to be strong, especially guys. We have this ego, okay, I want to be the toughest dude around, right? When you start learning this, the more you know, the less you have to do that stuff. You start gaining the confidence in yourself and you project that and you don't need to do that. You don't need to be the kicking, the guy who kick and punch. What's weird is we teach everybody how to kick and punch and defend themselves which is using the skills legitimately if someone attacks you um, versus you being the bully or the aggressor and just kicking everybody's butt. The vast majority of uh, martial artists really start to learn the more dangerous I become, the less I need to be dangerous. Does that make sense? The more skill you develop and understanding of how to yeah, utilize the more the skill you have, the less um, worried. Yeah, you, you let insecure, less insecure. I think most violence happens because of insecurity, either I want your possessions because I need it because I want to make my life better, whatever that is. And the more you, the more skill you have, the more secure you are, the more confident you are, the less you need to. Hey, look at me. I'm the big tough guy. So I think that has a lot to do with it. So speaking of that, how could Taekwondo, Taekwondo lead you to be more like alert or like assertive or? Well, the, the more you train and you, you teach this focus and self-awareness concept, you need to be aware of what's all going on around you. You can't be lost in your phone. You can't be lost in a book or whatever, especially when you're outside of stuff. We do a lot of what we call, and I, I, this comes directly from Krav Maga. We have these knowledge domains. And the more we look at self-defense and alertness, it's really understanding the situation. I need to be alert. If I'm at home sitting on my couch watching television and the doors are locked, the less alert I need to be. Um, I can be relaxed. I can be lost in my book or my phone or whatever. As soon as I step outside the door, it's, it's the education of understanding that, hey, the world is full of potential dangers. And I'm not talking about someone's going to come and beat you up. We, we put people in 2,000 pound cars and they go really fast on the road. We need to be aware of that. Does that make sense? Yeah, you so, just you can't go over the speed limit, basically, is what. Yeah, you start to, you, you become more and more aware. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, again, we go back to security and confidence. And in yourself, you, when you're out, you tend to look around. When you're, un, when you're not confident, you tend to look down. 
So the more confidence you get, and you're like, hey, what's the world have to offer? I take it more in a positive light. I grow, I look around, hey, what more can I get out of it? And being aware of the world um, versus I'm scared of the world and kind of hiding in my shell like a turtle. We also in Taekwondo do uh, forms. What is, why, why do we do forms out exactly? What does it show? People ask when you do traditional martial arts, why forms? Forms are just a tool. They're a tool for us to do repetitions. We get good at anything by repetitively doing it. I tell people, you done the, I tell people, everybody's learned the ABCs. How'd you learn the ABCs? You sang them, you said them, you did them uh, constantly. Um, and what forms do is they give us this pattern. So the first part of forms is it's a tool to do the techniques over and over. And inside the forms, there's, there's concepts for self-defense, for sparring, and those kind of things. So forms aren't a magical thing. They're just a tool we use for people to start developing repetition. Um, the other side of it, they become the attribute of memorization and knowledge. So now, hey, the, I want you to memorize this over and over. Our forms in particular train both sides of the body. So what I do with the right side, I do with the left side. So now I'm, develop, I'm honing that physical skill. I'm getting repetition. They're teaching me concepts. They're teaching me to memorize and develop knowledge. And the more you do that, again, that's one of those tools that translates beyond martial arts. One of the big things forms tend to do, people who consistently do forms and do well on forms also tend to do better in school because they're learning, hey, I got I to gotta do this stuff repetitively. It's not going to be, I, I learn it and then I do it for the test and I forget. It's, it's a process, do this as you said. You just repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, and repeat till you get better. So we also, in Taekwondo, do uh, sparring, as we all know. Is there a sparring match that is memorable to either of you? A sparring match that we've been in? Yes. Either one of you, you two, like, sparred against each other. I mean. Well, um, I actually sparred one of the top 10 ladies. Uh, this is a while ago, before face shields. And uh, I'll admit, she was probably a little bit better than me. I, I definitely learned a few things from her, and it made me better. And that's one of the things that I love to do is be around people that I can actually learn stuff from as well. And when you spar different people, you actually learn different things of how people move. Because if you only spar one person, if it was just he and I sparring all the time, then I just know what he does. But if I spar multiple people, then I'm more equipped to deal with any kind of person that I come up against. So and, uh, the funny thing about, I guess, that sparring match was is uh she uh she baited me in and she caught me on my eye and gave me a big black eye and uh <laughs> at the time um you know when I went back to uh the school the next week everybody was asking did Mr. Bostic do that I'm like oh give me a break no <laughs> so um but uh it was just uh neat to learn some different things from the lady that was a little bit better than me well, what did you learn exactly? What are some of the lessons you learned other than don't get a black guy? <laughs> well, um, in that particular situation is I got to keep my hands up. <laughs> but also when they repetitively do something, when people do things to you over and over again, and you're not changing what you're doing, then they're going to keep doing those things to you. Okay. So she kept doing a, a double round kick. She did it twice, but then the third time she changed it so she could actually score. And that's how I got the black guy. It was just a really fast kick. So the thing is, is that from that, I learned several things. I learned to make sure I keep my hands up. And if they start to do something a couple different times, they're going to do something different so they can score. But also in life, I want to make sure that I control how people treat me by how I act and how I present myself. So if I actually act like a victim, then people are going to treat me more like a victim. If I act like I'm confident, people will believe in what I'm doing. Yeah, you basically treat others the way you want to be treated. I mean. Exactly. The golden rule. That is a golden rule. I use that a lot. Um, so why we also break boards. That's probably the most fun thing out of everything we did. So, but why, why is it important exactly? And why did we, uh, why did we do it? Um, we use boards for a couple reasons. And everybody's like, why do you break boards? It, it, it's again, whether it's form sparring or board breaking or using a target, they're all tools to develop different aspects. Board breaking is just a tool we use. And it's a way for us to demonstrate um, accuracy and power, especially when we do what we call combat breaking, where the, we just put the board up and then you got to break. 
Um, you have to hit that board with accuracy and the power to break it in that split second. And this is simulating, hey, I can use this technique if I'm having to defend myself and it's going to have, I'm going to have the ability to hit something and do damage to it. Um, so a lot of times the board breaking, really, it's a development of, for the student, it's a way for them to develop confidence. Oh, this stuff works. I kick it and it breaks. Okay. And we use particular boards of particular uh, sizes and shapes. We use rebreakable boards here in the school for environmental reasons. So we're not killing a bunch of trees so we can just hit it and punch it. But the standards were created because the tensile strength of one of a particular board size we use is equivalent to say a nose. So you start to realize, hey, if I use this and I hit, I can break someone's nose and it might save my life or it might save my family's life. And that confidence you get and that belief, board breaking allows us to do that without doing it to another person. And we, we, we gain that skill and understanding. So again, it's a tool to develop the attribute. And let's face it, you, you really enjoyed board breaking. It was fun for you. So that's the other reason. Sometimes we do some of this stuff because it's fun for some people and they, they get to do something. Hey, this is cool, right? And it makes you feel good. Yeah, it's just like you said, also hitting and punching something, it helps you get your mind off something. So that's probably... Part of the reason why too. And we also in Taekwondo, we use uh, some weapons like nunchucks, uh, swords. Why do we use those exactly? What does that show? Primarily we do the weapons um, as a tool to develop other attributes, whether it's upper body, eye-hand coordination, uh, upper body strength, those kind of things. That's one of the primary reasons. The other thing uh, we do, especially now with the integration of our Kali program into what we do here, we make a mistake and we think this is somehow different than if I put a stick in it or I put a knife in it or I put a sword in it. It really, our body, it's just adding an extension. And we learn to say, hey, okay, when I'm doing something, this is really just an extension of who I am. It's not something different. So one reason is that those, those physical attributes, another is understanding extension. And let's face it, this is an area a lot of people like to do because it's fun. They want to swing the nunchuck around and catch it and all kinds of fun stuff with it yeah we get to use something we it's interactive i guess is the way to put it what are some like fun things you do for the students because i know we um did like trunk or treats uh globe chucks that was really fun what else do we uh what else do you guys do i know it's hard in these days and days but um well we we have parent night outs uh still we have right now of course the numbers are limited and we have to do all the covid protocol and keep people distance and that's going to but we still, we do, we still do parents on out. We still try to really graduations are something we do for the students. It's their time to celebrate. Um, hey, I, I achieved a new level. I, my grandma can see and all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, some of those we've had to do virtually because of COVID, but it's still, we, we have a holiday party. We do all kinds of stuff. Um, like I said, our main thing is family. Our, our values as a school, number one is family. Um, and families get together, families do things. And whether we have to today do it online or um, we can get together in person, we, we do a lot of different things. Um, so we still have parent night out, we have the glow chuck. We do a zombie apocalypse where they get to, it's like a Nerf war kind of thing, which is kind of fun and uh, board breaking and all kinds of stuff. So. And with this situation with the pandemic, we actually had other opportunities um, we actually had a pizza party where um, they were able to come to the school. We were able to get some pizza as a, a discounted mm. cost well, for the picked, students. Yeah, they picked up, they the, picked pizza up the pizza, went back home, ate the pizza, and jumped online with us and had a fun time with us. We actually played some games and then obviously did some dancing and had some good old time. So it was different opportunities that people could do. That's good. That is that 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 does sound fun. At least it led you to something, right? So yeah, now these are now these are just for fun questions. So, so what's your favorite food, and why is it your favorite? Favorite food, um, a food I really enjoy that, that I'm kind of proud my daughter figured out how to make it because usually I would get it when I go train. It's called lupia. It's a Filipino egg roll. She learned to make it this year, and we've had to I just got to have it last week, first time this year. And usually um, I get to have it several times a year because I get to travel and train. My favorite, uh, honestly, lately, it's uh, <laughs> been uh, mainly different ways to make eggs. 
<laughs> I know that sounds kind of crazy, but um, it, I've been able to lose weight by making sure that I eat eggs each day. Have you heard of tone the hole? I have not. What is that? That's um. Hold on. Let me let me think. So you put like it's like an egg on bread and um okay. like a hole in the middle. So, yeah, I've seen those. Hence the name toad in the hole. <laughs> I'll have to try that one. Yeah, you will. Pretty good. I had it myself. It's really good. So now, what is your favorite movie or TV show, and why do you like it? My favorite TV show right now is The Mandalorian. I am a massive Star Wars fan. Let's face it. Jedi's are basically space samurais. <laughs> um, and the Mandalorians are pretty cool too. So uh, that's a big reason. <laughs> I hear you. What about you? <laughs> I actually enjoy watching it with him. It's even more fun to actually watch a big kid <laughs> watch this going on. He's like, oh, do you realize this? Oh, do you realize this? <laughs> I'm just like, oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> So I have fun watching him watch the show. <laughs> hey, it's something you guys can do. Now, what is like your favorite vacation that you've ever taken? And why did you enjoy that vacation very much? Like together, individually? I don't know if I can name one favorite vacation. As I add years to my life, as I, without saying I'm getting older, um, I just really enjoy the family vacations when we're all together as a family. So we've had several of those in the recent years that, uh, especially now that my two older daughters had moved out, we can get everybody together. That tends just to be a part of my favorite times. So. Yeah, family is important. Like you said, you stress it here. I think you stress it out there too. So it works. Now, what are some of your like personal interests that you enjoy to do out of teaching Taekwondo? And why do you enjoy those? This is one, this is one for both of you. What's yours? I'll let you go first. The thing that I like to do outside of martial arts a very good question. I, more than anything else, like to get to know my kids. I know that sounds kind of strange, but I love being able to have a good relationship with my kids and, and the family. I want them to be able to have memories that they had a great time growing up in our house. There are some kids out there that don't have that luxury. They don't have a loving support system. So I want to make sure that our support system is a great one for them. And I love doing things with them, like uh, taking pictures of them. And I always get, you better not put that on Facebook. <laughs> so anyway, but you know, I, I love, that's something I actually was at one point. I took pictures that I, I was a wedding photographer for a while. And uh, that was one of the things I love to do was take pictures. Outside of martial arts. Uh, that's a rough one for me. Because even when I'm at home, I'm looking at martial arts stuff. But I think probably the biggest thing outside of martial arts is being creative. And I do that through writing and uh, some role-playing games. So that would be second, but a distant second. Because like I said, when I'm not here, I'm still thinking about martial arts. My fun stuff is to go study a different martial art. Hey, not, not that at all. It's just it's a part of your life, basically. Now, this is the final question. Are there any good memories that you want to tell our view, our listeners about? If you do, why do you remember it? Now, before we answer, I would like a good memory and a funny memory that made you guys fall on the floor laughing. Um, a memory that kind of popped in my head that was a good memory. I was testing in Terre Haute, and uh, it was actually one of my first testings. And uh, I realized that the girl that I was working with didn't do what she was supposed to do. So I made sure that I did what I needed to do correctly because it was going to be her turn again. And so that when she did it again, she did it correctly. So she followed me. It was a realization that I can be a leader. I can actually show people how to do this correctly. And um, that, that was actually one of the first thoughts of actually thinking, maybe I want to be an instructor. Maybe I want to help change people's lives, you know? But one of the funniest memories that I remember is actually Chief Master Minton when he first met my mom. And this is Chief Master Minton. He actually shook her hand and then flipped himself through the air, okay? She didn't do anything. But I took a picture of him in midair and her holding his hand, and it looked like she was throwing him. But the look of terror on her face said something totally different. <laughs> it was so funny. I still have that picture today. And I love that it embodies, you know, that my mom actually doesn't have any idea of how to do martial arts. 
but then uh, Chief Master Mitten just loved playing with people with martial arts. He loved sharing it in so many ways. Yeah, it, it was just part of it. He wanted to influence her in some way of it. I don't know if I could like mail down one memory. Uh, I have so many good memories of martial arts, of family members, of students. Uh, and sometimes as a student, not, not actually just achieving black belt, but just growing as individuals that I hold on to. Probably the, one of the funniest memories I have, though, is I was one of my first, where I was sitting on the testing board for uh, people testing for black belt, was Miss Bostic testing. And she was a uh, recommended black belt. Uh, and she was also eight months pregnant. And in the middle of her form, she stopped and grabbed her stomach. And Chief Master Minton, like, basically turns white because he doesn't have kids and never been through the experience of a woman pregnant. Um, leaned over and goes, she's going to be all right. <laughs> her water's not going to break right here. And I said, no, she's fine. She's just having a contraction and she'll move on. <laughs> um, and I just remember laughing about that for a long time after. I remember you tell us about that. Hey, you got to get out of it. So yeah, well, she kicked me really hard to the point there was tears actually going down my face. They didn't see that part. <laughs> what, is, what, is, what, what did she say about it after you told her that? Oh, Sabrina? It was Sabrina. So uh, I don't know if she even realized it was her at the time uh, or, or not at the time, but later. Um, I don't remember how she reacted, but she's the one now, fourth degree, wants to own her own school. So maybe she was just practicing. <laughs> maybe. I will say this. There's also a very proud moment that uh, where we took Bryn, our oldest, to world championships. And she was actually in the top 10 to possibly be a world champion. And the thing is, is that she did actually win world champion that year. And that was an amazing experience. I don't even know how to, I guess, explain it other than being so proud of your child that they achieved something. Hey, who, right? I mean, she's in the top 10 out of, is that like the world or out of like Indiana or? I was world. Well, I was world. Okay. Um, I got you now. So woohoo. Congratulations on her. Um, so I think that'll be all. But before we go, could you give us your uh, phone number and location in case someone wants to join? Of course. The phone number is 812-337-1282. And you can call and schedule an introductory lesson at any time. It's free to do the first lesson. Make sure it's a good fit. And then... Location is 1921 South Liberty Drive, Bloomington, Indiana, 47403. But especially these days, you have to schedule an appointment. People just dropping in, I can't always get a chance to help them. So calling ahead is always better. All right. Well, thank you guys again and hope you guys have a great day. It's good to see you, sir. Take care. Thanks for this episode. Please tune in for another episode coming very soon. Hope you enjoyed listening to Ramble. Thank you very much.